Welcome to Come and Reason with Christian psychiatrist and author Dr. Tim Jennings. Together we will reason through complex issues to find evidence-based answers that harmonize scripture, science, and our life experiences. I'm your Come and Reason host, Charles Mills. This program is sponsored by Come and Reason Ministries. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the continuing series of broadcasts recorded in Allen, Texas, just a few years back. The series is called The Power of Love, and I'm so glad you've joined us. On today's show, Dr. Jennings examines symbols and rituals, faith and evidence. What role should they play in our relationship with our Creator? (laughs) That's a good question. I believe that Dr. Jennings offers some very good answers. Let's listen. What law lens do you look through when you hear these simple things? Is this just a rule? Is it a ritual? Or is it somehow teaching me a larger reality, how God's kingdom actually works? What about covered by the robe? Covered by the robe of righteousness. We hear this one a lot. And it's often taught. And I, in tongue in cheek, kind of point out the fallacy of the legal view. The legal view is... That when you accept the payment of Jesus in your behalf, then you're covered by the robe of righteousness, which means that when the Father looks at you or your account, he doesn't see anything about your corrupt, unrighteous character, your sinful life. What he sees is the perfect life of Jesus, which covers you. And so he can't see the corruption of of sinfulness in you because you're covered by the life of Jesus. I call it the candy-coated rotten apple theory. Take a rotten apple, cover it with candy, and it looks really good on the outside, but it's still rotten to the core. This is a fraudulent representation of a beautiful illustration. The robe actually represents character. And when we have partaken of the truth, which again is the metaphor of the flesh or the metaphor of the bread, because the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we are to partake of the flesh, partake of the the words of truth. When we partake of those words of truth, they become building blocks in our minds that dispel the lies, the distortions, the old ways of thinking, win us back to trust with new understandings of who God is. And as we're one to trust, we open the heart. And as we open the heart, then the Spirit comes in and we get the life of Christ. And our thoughts are brought into harmony with His thoughts. Our desires are renewed to be His desires. The fear and selfishness is replaced with love and trust. And this is what it means to be covered in the robe of righteousness. We become partakers of the divine nature. That's the truth of God's word. So again, when you hear these things, what law lens am I understanding and explaining this through? A penal legal thing or how reality actually works to heal, transform, and renew? Symbolism without meaning darkens the mind, turns off the reason, impairs the judgment, and many people rest satisfied in some ritual, some symbolic. You know, millions of Christians go to church every week to partake a symbolic act of the body or blood of Christ, and they think in that wafer or that liquid, they are somehow being cleansed from the wafer and the liquid. It's just symbol to teach the reality of partaking the truth, which dispels the lies, being one to trust and experience the spirit taking the life of Christ and renewing us in Christ's likeness. What about blind faith? Believing without evidence. This is a common one. Have you ever heard the virtues of blind faith? How much truth supports Satan in his war against God? Zero. No truth supports Satan. All truth supports God. He is the source of truth. Satan is the father of lies. Now, if you have no truth on your side, do you want people looking at evidence? No. 
If you do have truth on your side, you say to people, come, reason with me, examine the evidence, check it out, weigh it, test it, taste and see that the Lord is good. And the more you're willing to examine the evidence, the more you're willing to follow the truth, the more you discover how beautiful God is and the more Satan is exposed as a fraud. And Satan doesn't want that. So he teaches as virtuous this idea. Well, we don't ask for evidence. We have faith. We don't need evidence. We just believe. I even saw written in a Bible study guide once something that may not be an exact quote, but it went like this. We don't need to have faith to believe the sky is over our head because we can look up and see the sky. We need to have faith to believe in the God who lives beyond the sky because we can't see him. And many people, as I read that in class before I critiqued it, I heard some amens. And I said, does that mean then when Jesus returns in the clouds of glory and we see him face to face that we will say, Jesus, I used to have faith in you, but now that I see you, I don't have faith in you anymore. You see, this idea of blind faith, that because we see something and we don't have faith, is not what faith actually is. I think when I meet Jesus, my faith will even get stronger. What about you? So what strategy was Satan use? Beliefs based on faith without inquiry, without evidence, which is known as spiritualism. Spiritualism is the pursuit of knowledge without investigation or the investigation of evidence. Without investigation of evidence or use of reason. This is what spiritualism is because he has none. What evidence has God provided us? He's provided us three threads. We talked about it in our very first talk. He's given us, revealed to us the truth of himself and what's happened in the great controversy and the consequences of rebelling against him through the histories that he has recorded in scripture. So he reveals truth to us in scripture, but scripture tells us his divine nature is seen in what he has made. His laws are the standards and the constants upon which reality operate. And our real life experiences also reveal how life and reality works. So God has given us three threads of evidence. We want to harmonize those. Another way Satan leads us into temptation is trusting emotions. When tempted, no one should say God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one of us is tempted when by his own evil desire, feelings, emotions, he is dragged away and enticed, James 1, 13 and 14. And so many people trust their emotions. They make decisions based on their emotions. Emotions in and of themselves are not simply evil, they're just emotions. They can lead us into temptation and they can be completely fraudulent. One of the things you have to remember is that feelings can lie. The operative word there is can. And the reason it's so hard for people with their feelings is because feelings can tell the truth. Sometimes you have feelings that are absolutely right on. Uh, mothers, when you gave birth to your child and they put that child in your arms and you were overwhelmed with feelings of love, that was not a lie. That feeling was true. But sometimes feelings can lie. And how can you tell the difference between whether feelings are lying or telling the truth? Not by how they feel. You can't tell by that. So what I teach people are feelings are simply data points. They are emotions to draw your attention, to get you to look in a direction, to get you to consider something that's happening. And that's what they do. If you think when you get emotional about something, your, your attention and energy is drawn to address something. But that's when you're supposed to kick in your reasoning. You're supposed to evaluate, why am I feeling this way? What's it about? Oh, what are godly principles? What's the truth? 
and you process those feelings through your clear conscience and reasoning abilities, weighing God's standards in line with that. So you look at Jesus in Gethsemane. He had strong feelings, and his feelings were not leading him down the path that he and his father wanted him to go. His feelings are pulling him the other direction. And that's where he did not choose to go with his feelings. He processed his feelings. He understood his feelings. He agonized through his feelings, but he chose to do what his good judgment said anyway. And that's a model for all of us. And we see many examples in Scripture, but the point, Satan will get people to trust their emotions. I have a good feeling about this. That feels right to me. Without comparing their feelings to truth, evidence, God's standards, his design laws, and so forth. Surrendering judgments to others. This is another common trap of the devil. People have struggled in their journey in life with decision-making, and as all of us in this room have done, we have all made decisions that did not turn out well. In fact, we've made decisions that we look back on that were foolish, that were bad. Or am I the only one who's done that? <laughs> we've all done that. Now, some, some people, when they've done that, they are overwhelmed with guilt, they're overwhelmed with shame, they're overwhelmed with fear of doing it again, they have a sensitive conscience in the sense they, they don't want to make mistakes, they don't want to be bad, they want to be good, but now they, they're afraid to make a decision again, so they need someone else to help them, so they look outside themselves for somebody they trust, somebody they believe knows what's going on better than they do, and they look to that person to tell them the answers. I don't want to get it wrong. I don't want to make a mistake. And so they surrender their judgments to others. And they follow the lead of other people. Well, my pastor says, my church says, the 28 fundamental beliefs say, the Pope says, the priest says, somebody other than me who has studied more knows, and I'll, I'll do what they say. It's a trap. God says in Romans 14, 5, every person is to be fully persuaded in their own mind. We each have our own God-given individuality, capacity for thinking and reasoning, and we are to exercise those things because if we don't exercise them, here's one of those design laws. It's a law of exertion. If you want something to get stronger, you must exercise it. If you want strong math ability, you got to work problems. Strong musical skills, you got to practice your instrument. Imagine, in fact, going to a math teacher, two types of teachers. One teacher you go to, they illustrate a problem and then give you a bunch of them to work and you work those problems and you get some right, you get some wrong, they get corrected and, and as you see where you got them wrong, you study that and you work some more and over the course of time, you learn how to do math and you get less and less wrong. Another teacher you go to, and in this school you understand that you're really afraid. You've been warned, there will be a test coming. One day you will be examined. And then the day of examination, you better not have one demerit. You better not have one thing wrong. You have to be perfect. But good news, we know the right answers. There'll be 28 questions on this exam. And here are the 28 answers. And they give you the 28 answers and you memorize them. 27, 43, 2, minus 7. You memorize them in order. The day the exam comes, you write down the memorized answers. You get them all right because they're the right answers. Do you know how to do math? That's much of Christianity. They go to organizations, schools, churches that tell them the answers. And they memorize their doctrinal statements, their creeds, what they are told is the right answer. They have no clue why that's the right answer. They have no idea how to process through. They don't have that ability that it says in Hebrews 5.14, the mature are those who develop by practice the ability to discern the right from the wrong. If you want strong math ability, you actually have to work problems. If you want strong critical reasoning ability, if you want to grow up from infancy to maturity, you have to think for yourself, weigh the issues, and problem solve. And understand 
you're going to get some wrong answers. And it can never be achieved using the methods of Satan, the methods of the world, imperialism, a list of rules with threats of punishment. It is only achieved through truth presented in love, leaving people free. Thus, the way the Spirit works, not by might nor by power, but by the way the Spirit works. So God's warriors, truth, love, leave others free. God's warriors think for themselves. They're persuaded in their own mind. And then they harmonize Scripture, science, nature, and how experience works. They have an integrated understanding of reality. And they understand and then put into practice God's design laws and how they live their life. And move past symbolism and understand those symbols and those metaphors and see and want to understand to the greatest of our ability what that reality actually is. And that leads us to have genuine wisdom, growing up into the wisdom and the stature of Jesus Christ, understanding friends of God as he's invited us to become. And with that powerful statement, we must end our show for today. On our next broadcast, Dr. Jennings holds a question and answer session with his Allen, Texas audience, and you won't want to miss that. Until then, I invite you to check out comeandreason.com. Here you'll find many resources to help you on your journey of discovery as you look for the character of God as reflected in Christ, as reflected in the Old and New Testament, and as should be reflected in our lives. Dr. Jennings has made books available, sharing tracks, Bible studies, audio programs to listen to, videos to watch. Even this series, The Power of Love, is in video format right there at comeandreason.com. Lots of good resources for you to share and enjoy. This program was sponsored by Come and Reason Ministries. Until next time, this is Charles Mills along with Dr. Tim Jennings wishing you God's presence in your life. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for spending time with us today. To continue the journey, I urge you to visit comeandreason.com. Here you'll find many excellent resources to help you gain a deeper understanding of the God we all love and serve. That's at comeandreason.com. This is Charles Mills, along with Dr. Tim Jennings, inviting you to join us the next time we come and reason together. <music>